to us. Listen carefully as he kind of brings it to a summary in verse 5 of John 15. Jesus says to them, and Jesus says to you, are you listening? Amen. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, listen carefully, bears much fruit. For without me, if you didn't know this already, without Jesus, you can do nothing. Then after giving that first secret, living about an abiding life, he gives us a sacred secret to a fruitful relationship with God, and that is living an abounding life. See, I'm not satisfied with just living. I want more than just living. I want to live an abounding life, so how do I do that? How do I live a life that thrives? How do I live a Christian life that flourishes? And Jesus tells us to do that, how to do that too. He says, to thrive as Christians, you must stay credible in a disbelieving world. Stay credible in a disbelieving world. In a distrusting disbelieving, doubting world, Jesus knew that credibility was going to be an issue for me and you. You see, people need to be able to look at you and have confidence that you are a man or woman of God. People need to be able to trust that what they see in you is what God expects of Christians. People need to know that the behavior and the attitude that they see in you is a proper reflection of Jesus Christ. But sadly, I don't have to tell you this, sadly, that's not always the case. Sadly, we see Christians constantly breaking traffic laws, we see Christians bickering amongst themselves. We see them breaking marriage vows. We see them using foul language. We see them having this uppity, holier-than-thou attitude that, sees, that makes unbelievers run for cover. Make no mistake, friend. Credibility is a major issue for Christians today. One officer was being cross-examined by a defense attorney. And the lawyer was trying to undermine this policeman's credibility. And so the lawyer asked the policeman, he said, Officer, did you see my client fleeing the scene? And he said, No, but I observed a man matching his description running a couple blocks away. And the officer said, Well, who gave you the description? And the officer said, a fellow officer did. And he said, well, do you trust your fellow officers? And he said, yes, sir, I do. And then he said, well, let me ask you this question. Does your department have a locker room where you can change into your uniform? And the policeman said, yes, sir, we do. And he said, do you have a locker in that locker room? And he said, yes, sir, I do. 
And he said, well, do you have a lock on your locker in that locker room? And the policeman said, yes, sir, I do. And then the lawyer said, well, sir, officer, if, if you trust your fellow officers, why do you find it necessary to put a lock on your locker when you're sharing that room with other men that you trust? And the police officer said, well, you see, sir, we share the building with the court complex, and from time to time, a lawyer comes through the locker room. <laughs> just like just then, the court erupted in laughter, and the judge had to call a recess. If we're going to make a difference, if we're going to make a difference in this world we're living in, we must stay credible. Hear what Jesus said to seemed to say about this issue in John chapter 15, look in verse 12 with me. Jesus says to them, and Jesus says to you, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you, say that with me, friends. For all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you, listen carefully, that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. In order for you and I to stay credible as Christians in a very skeptical world, Jesus instructed us to demonstrate a number of characteristics that he himself exhibited to us. The first one is this. We must exhibit a sacrificial love for one another. Did you hear it? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. According to Jesus, the definition of a perfect friendship is found in sacrificing your own life for the good of your friends. In verse 13, in the message paraphrase, it goes like this. Listen carefully. This is the very best way to love. Here it comes. Put your life on the line for your friends. Love holds nothing back. Love willingly gives all to a friend. And that's what it's like for the love of Jesus to be at work in you. Someone once said, you know, I know that there are people in this world who do not love their fellow man, and I hate people like that. Are you guilty as charged? I've been there too. So how credible is your love? How credible are you as a Christian? Is it even possible? Is it even possible for Jesus to go about and command you to love your friends? I mean, is true love commanded? Can you command true love? Well, what you need to remember is this. Christian love ain't a feeling. 
Christian love is not basically a feeling. It is an act of the will. I choose to love you because of who you are. You're a child of the king. I'm a child of the king, and I love you. It's not a feeling. It's an act of the will. And the proof of your love, friend, is not in your feelings, but in your actions. Don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. Even to the extent of you laying down your life for Jesus or laying down your life for your friends. 1 John 3.16 says this, By this we know love. Are you ready? By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Again, staying credible in a distrusting, cynical world is the challenge for us as believers. So let me ask you this question. Are you a walking, talking, breathing testimony of what Jesus Christ does in the life of sinners? If you are, if you are, does your family see a consistent, credible expression of love when you're at home? If you're this walking, talking testimony of what Jesus does in the life of believers, do your friends really consider you a friend that would give their all for them? Do your brothers and sisters in Christ see a believable, fruitful relationship with God that endures through thick and thin? Or, if you're honest with yourself, is your relationship with God something less than that? Is it something that's not really consistent? It's not really credible? And if we're honest, it's not really that desirable. You may not have heard this, but Brother Kyle Word asked Hal Putman to help him out in some work at his house after work one day. And so Hal followed him over to Kyle's place. And when they got to the door, Kyle Word went straight to Amanda and gave her a huge hug, told her how beautiful she was and how much he missed her. And when it was time for supper, Kyle couldn't stop complimenting Amanda on how good the cooking was. And he gave her a big old sloppy kiss. And he told her, I love you, darling. And so finally, when Kyle and Hal started working, Hal said to Kyle, he said, you know what? I was kind of surprised that you made such a big fuss over Amanda. And Kyle said, well, I started doing that about six months ago. And it's revived my marriage. And my marriage couldn't be better. And so Hal said, you know what? I'm going to give that a go. <laughs> so he went on home and he gave his precious Roberta a big old hug and a sloppy wet kiss and she burst into tears. And he was confused and he couldn't figure out why Roberta was crying and she said, this has been the worst day of my life. The dog broke his foot the washing machine fell apart and flooded the house, and now you come home drinking. <laughs> Just how credible is your love, brother? <laughs> Amen. Listen carefully. 
Jesus left us a standing order. Jesus left every one of us a standing order, and here it is. This is my commandment. This is my commandment that you love one another as. Say as. This is my commandment that you love one another as. In the same manner as I have loved you. How did Jesus do that? Well, the Bible says that God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us because he loved us. See, our love shouldn't be the type or should be the type that's willing to die for another. It's not the kind of love that fights and argues and bickers and picks with another person. It's the kind of love that willingly pays the ultimate price for the good of somebody else. We may not be able to give our whole life like Jesus did. You may not be called to. But friend, listen, we are responsible to live this principle. To love one another as Jesus loved us. I didn't say it, friends. The God you worshiped, you worship, says this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And if you love one another, you're going to give up what's dear to you. If you love one another, you're going to be willing to give up a little time for another. If you love people, you're going to be willing to give up a little bit of money for people. If you love each other, you're going to be willing to give up a little bit of compassion for others. That's the call of God on our life. Friend, when we offer ourselves so that others might experience the blessing of God's life, then you find yourself obedient to the commands of Christ. The next characteristic says that we should also stay credible by you having a submissive friendship with Jesus. Look in verse 14. You are my friends, Jesus says, if you do what I command you. So if you reverse that, you're not my friends if you what? If you don't. Okay, wow. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. So how do we reveal to a lost and dying world that we're friends with Jesus? He said it real clearly. He said, do what I tell you to do. Do what I've told you to do. Now that's not the way we become a friend of Jesus, but that's the way we show a lost and dying world that we are friends with Jesus. The Word of God shares with us all the requirements for living a life that reflects an intimate friendship with Christ Jesus. When you love Jesus, you'll submit to Jesus. When you love Jesus, you'll have an understanding of who Jesus is. You'll have an understanding, friend, and always be willing to obey the things that he's made known to you. 
unlike becoming a child of God, friendship is not this once and for all thing. Our friendship with Jesus develops. Our friendship with Christ grows. Our friendship with Jesus becomes more intimate, just like it would with any friend. How do you make friends? Well, you communicate with friends. The more you communicate, the closer you're going to get. How else? Well, you spend time learning about your friends. The more time you spend with a friend, the closer y'all going to get. You show your love for a friend. The more love you show, the closer y'all going to be. But also, when you willingly submit to a friend, there's no telling how close you're going to be. Same thing with Jesus Christ. When you become a friend with the Lord, all you think about is pleasing him. That's all you think about. Think about pleasing him at work, pleasing him at home, pleasing him in your marriage, pleasing him as you're training up your children in the way they should go, pleasing him as you serve the Lord in, in the church, pleasing him uh, in your recreational activities. That's all you think about. You want to please the Lord and honor him. Why? Because he's your friend. He's your real friend. Your friend that sticks closer than a brother. He said, we're not just servants anymore. We're something more than that. Yeah, we still serve the king. Yes, we still desire to please our master. Yes, we still want to bring glory to him in everything we do in life. But listen, our relationship with Jesus is far more now. Our relationship with Jesus is is far more than it ever was. Now, friends, he has called us friends. And can I tell you that friends are way up here and servants are way down here. And Jesus says, you're way up here now. But with being way up here also has a lot of demands, a lot of commands. So it's more, it's more challenging. So do you love the Lord? Do you love Jesus? I mean, do you want to be his friend? There are a lot of people that proclaim their faith in Jesus Christ, but they're really not Jesus' friend. If you want to be his friend, my question to you is, well, what have you given him? Have you submitted to him? Are you striving to please him? Are you doing what he told you to do? And if you're not doing those things, can you really proclaim that you're a friend of God or a friend of Jesus? And you know, when you look at all the things that those scriptures say, Jesus just doesn't ask to ask us to do a whole lot. It's not that difficult. All he says is, hey, just surrender your life to me. Worship me. Just Live a, a good moral life. Friend, just serve me and with the gifts that I've given you. He doesn't ask us to, to sacrifice our lives like he did on the cross. Aren't you thankful for that? And what if you knew at the end of the week you had to be crucified to be a friend of Jesus? But Jesus doesn't ask that of you. The Bible says this is the love of God that we keep his commandments 
And his commandments are not burdensome. It's not that difficult, y'all. So are you wondering today? Wow, never really thought about that. Am I really a friend of Jesus? Am I a friend to the Son of God? Do you picture yourself as a hesitant servant or an intimate friend? Well, if you ask that question, unfortunately, you'll probably answer yourself with more questions. Because if you really want to answer to that question, here's what you'll ask yourself. You'll say, well, Bill, do you do what Jesus commands? Do you love him enough to love other people? Remember, the proof of our love, friend, is not in feelings, but in our actions. So what are you doing to reflect the love of Jesus to other people? Are you a friend of Jesus? Maybe you need to ask, Bill, do you know? Do you know what he wants to do in the world that you live in? I mean, he wants other people to experience the love of God. He wants other people to know about him and what he offers lost sinners. So are you a friend of Jesus? He might, I might ask myself, well, do you know how Jesus thinks, Bill? See, he wants us to be familiar with what he heard from the Father. And everything that he heard from the Father that's pertinent to our lives is found in this book. Are you studying what God the Father presented to the Son? Are you knowing this? Are you learning this? Are you studying this? Are you a friend of Jesus? Our friend instructs us to express a sacrificial love for one another. But he also instructs us to have this submissive friendship with him. But there's one final way that you can stay credible in an incredible world, and that is he commands you to demonstrate sustained fruitfulness toward other people. Verse 16. You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you, appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you these things I command you, that you should love one another. Friends, listen, we've got this mission to fulfill. You've been chosen and appointed, called out by the Lord Jesus Christ himself to be fruitful, to live a life that makes a difference. Is it? Boy, these questions we have to ask in the mirror can be so piercing, so difficult. Am I living a fruitful life? Am I living in such a way that God's love is observed and understood by other people? Because that's the way it begins. It begins with how we relate to one another. 
So let's understand what we're here for, okay? We are here for people. If you weren't here for other people, you'd be in heaven right now. You are a born-again child of God, I pray. And if God didn't have you here for people, you'd be at home with him. You're here for a reason. You're here to fulfill this mission. You're here for each other. You're here not for yourself. And once we get that through our head, that this life we're living is not about me. It's about you. It's about them. Exclusively. That's why I'm still here. If we're determined to be the church that God desires, we're going to love each other. And we won't be looking for the church to fill my need. Instead, I'm going to be looking for where I can fill a need in ministry of this church. And every one of you are gifted to do that. We're all gifted to do that. We're here for each other, to pray for each other, to be friends with each other, to support and encourage each other, all because we've been chosen, chosen and appointed to love one another. It does something to me to think that Jesus handpicked me, that Jesus handpicked you. To make a difference in the sphere of influence that you live in. Handpicked you. Said, you're the one. You're the one I want. I'm choosing you and I'm appointing you. I want you to make a difference in your family. In your circle of friends. I want you to make a difference. So what does that mean? What does Jesus want me to do? Well, when you talk about fruit... The New Testament uh, definition of fruit uh, includes many things. For instance, fruit includes expressing godly attitudes. The fruit of the Spirit is expressing love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, kindness, and self-control. So how's your attitude? How's your attitude? Got good fruit? Fruit also includes righteous behavior. In Philippians 1.11, the Bible says that we're to be filled with fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So let me ask you this question. How are you living? What kind of attitude have you got? And how are you living? Fruit also includes praise to God. In Hebrews 13, the Bible says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Say this for me. Thank you for the great preaching. Say it again. Well, you're welcome. And if that was genuine, that'd be fruit. Amen. It includes praise. Fruit also includes leading others to faith in Christ. 
Paul said, brethren, I have often planned to come to you that I might have some fruit among you. So I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone, say everyone, everyone who believes. Everyone needs to hear this good news. And Jesus commands me, and Jesus commands you to go and bear fruit. To tell somebody this good news that will save their eternal soul. And if we'll bear the fruit of salvation, if we'll bear the fruit of our love, if we'll bear the fruit of our friendship, we will stay credible, credible in a world that is increasingly turning its back on God. Friend, you've got to stay credible. If we're going to accomplish this mission, we're going to love each other with a sacrificial love. We are going to connect with Jesus and as a submissive friend, we're going to live our lives with sustained fruitfulness. And we're going to be willing to go and bear fruit. So Jesus made the first choice. He chose you, handpicked you, and called you out and said, I want you to go and bear fruit. So what does he say? I love you, darling. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I love you so much that I'm going to die for you. Now, I invite you to make your decision. Will you accept his offer or reject his offer? Are you a friend of Jesus today? Are you a friend of Jesus? He invites you to be. And one way that your church family has chosen to fulfill this, this command to go and bear fruit is through our Grow Outreach Ministry. It is so simplified, it ain't even funny. We've made it to where everybody can do it. You get to choose when you want to do it. Just got to make sure you do it. So today, as part of our decision time, if you weren't here last week because of the great blizzard of 2017... Many responded last week. How many, sister? 18 responded last week to say, okay, I hear you, Jesus. I hear you, and I'm going to be obedient to go and bear fruit. This is how we do it. You can come this morning, and it, there's a card in your bulletin that you can fill out, a little commitment card, and you can just come and place that card in this offering plate at the foot of the cross. That will be your sacrifice. That will be your offering to Jesus. So you listen carefully to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And I pray. I pray you'll be obedient. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for the privilege of serving you. Father, I thank you that you have still given us a mission. That you have offered us this opportunity, Lord, to bring many people with us when our days on earth are through. Father, I pray that your children will hear your word and will become obedient. Because